fiends and horror hounds. This is Brett from Dimension Z, joined as I always am by Greg of the Dead. How you doing, man? Doing good, and joined for the first time by Brandon, not from the Black Lagoon, our other friend Brand from Are You Listening? Thank you so much for coming on. It's been a long time. We both listen to each other, so it's nice having you on this side for once. Yeah, long time listener, first time caller. Glad to be here. <laughs> uh, why don't you go plug the show real quick, and we'll make you do it again at the end. Don't worry. Okay. Um, yeah, I uh, my podcast that Greg mentioned that he listens to. Appreciate it, Greg. Brett, eh, I see he listened to one episode. He had enough of us already. Uh, <laughs> it is the it is the Are You Listening podcast where me and a friend of slightly different ages. He's older than I am, so we have we realize we have slightly different views on music. There is a Venn diagram. There is a centerpiece. But it's not very big, we've realized. So we bring each other a record each each week. Um, in addition to drafting different artists, we will draft an artist discography. But our main goal is we bring each other a record that we have uh, a history with. We have uh, some emotions tied to normally. And we give the other person to listen to it for a week. They listen to it. We come back. We reconvene. We talk about it. And at the end of it, we rate it. We give our top three tracks. And we say whether it was a throne a phone, an own, or a groan. And I love that they all rhyme, and that's where that was born. Uh, <laughs> what? It, he said groan. Oh, I'm, what is this? Yeah, when, I, when I hear groan, I, I think my groan's a little lower pitched. <laughs> like, uh. You made groan sound like a good thing, and, I, and, and, and at least on our show. I guess groans would be good on your show, but <laughs> groans on our show are not always the best thing. That's actually the worst thing it could be. It's actually throw. My mind immediately just goes to the redhead in this movie. That is fair. <laughs> That's fair. I do like the show. Please check it out, even if Brandon called Scott silly. Oh, he, okay. Yeah. I like you again. Yeah, yeah. It's um, the horns are a little silly. There is Scott that I can get into. That record was not it. All right. So why did? Well, it's not like you came up to me, but I know you love this movie. We're doing... Someone help me out. Because I say Midsummer, Midsummer, and Mid- Midsommar. Which am I supposed to actually call this? One of you two help. I always just say it quick enough that nobody can question it. It depends Midsommar. on how stuffy I want to be at the moment. <laughs> okay. But I knew you liked this movie, and you have more merchandise of this movie than I knew existed, so... Why don't you walk us down your history with this movie and why you like it so much? Yeah, it's uh, and it's not none of it is official merch. They are all bootlegs. I am. I, I love bootlegs. So I had to hunt a lot of those down. I hereditary came out when. Movie pass was a thing, correct? Hell, yes, it did. I saw that in a theater by myself because of it with no one else there. I think we had that conversation because there was one person in the theater with me when I saw it there and hereditary did something for me that no movies have done for me in a long time. And it made me invested. So then after that, I was like, Oh, you know, who's this guy? Ari Aster. I wanted to go check him out. when I heard midsummer was coming out, uh, cause midsummer came out after, correct? Yeah. Yeah. And I, when midsummer was coming out, I said, I need to watch this and I don't watch trailers. So I know nothing about movies other than, what I get from a poster, maybe. So I went in totally blind to Midsummer and was, I'm, by the way, I'm going to say it all three different ways when I'm talking about it here. <laughs> and when I went into it, it just did, this movie did even more for me than Hereditary did. And there's reasons for it that I think we'll get into once we get into the movie, like individual different reasons. But 
there was such a different feel for me than any movies. I granted, I used to love horror movies. Something happened where they all became paranormal activity at one point, and I kind of bailed. Yeah. I yeah. was just like, I don't, I don't need this. I'm, I'm good. Like I'm all right. It was right around that. It was paranormal activity and Insidious. That when those two hit, I was just like, I don't think horror movies are for me anymore. At least right now. So I bailed, and then these brought me back in full force. And if I had to actually put them up against each other, which that's not what this is about. We're not drafting Ari Aster's filmography. It'd be a quick but, draft. <laughs> yes, it, yes, it would. Hereditary might mean more to me, but the aesthetic of Midsummer is definitely what kept me involved because I, I'm a huge floral guy. If you know me, I love flowers and I love floral print. So that played a huge role in this movie for me. Midsummer does something really interesting that a lot of those movies, like a lot of horror movies don't do, especially what you just mentioned, like Insidious and whatnot. It's all about like, oh, the house is dark in the shadows. What was that? This one, yeah. it's like you're in a field. It's broad daylight. It never fully gets dark ever. Yes. It's like, that's so awesome. Yeah. The, the lighting was a major thing for me because I didn't know. I, okay, I didn't know that you could be scared in the daytime like that. Like it didn't, it didn't make sense to me. And scared might be the wrong word. Again, when we get into it, we could mention we we'll talk about that. But it it the the lighting definitely did something else. It it turned a gear in my brain that I was like, oh, this is possible. Dude, another thing this movie does, like even aside from the super sinister like sides of it and everything. I'm terrified of being in a culture I don't understand and offending people by doing mundane things that I think is normal. Like if I'm traveling, this seems like a nightmare all on its own to me when these people are here, like when eyebrows from Meet the Millers pisses on their ancestral tree and greatly offends everybody. That's a horror movie to me just on its own. Because he's yeah. like, yeah, I don't, I didn't know. It's just a tree. And they're like, just a tree. It's like, I'm sorry. I mean, it's a weird situation to begin with that scene, though, because who in their right mind is just walking randomly and pissing like they've they were there for a decent amount of time. There had to be bathroom somewhere. Correct. And worst case, there is a woods line right behind said tree. You <laughs> exactly. can at least go a few feet into the woods. He just saw somebody was like, I got to pull my penis out in front of this. If you also pay attention to it. He's not peeing on the tree. He's facing away from the tree. He's pay- peeing near it. Yeah, it's not like he's pissing on the tree. He's like facing away from it. How many ashes are on there, though? Like uh, the whole yeah. area would be sacred, well, I guess. Well, but it's I, great, too, because I know we'll get there. But yeah. like, he's like, I don't know what I did. And he's just walking through the ashes as they're still screaming at him. He's like, <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing. Do I shit? Do I shit now? Also, you referred to him, Greg, as eyebrows from what was it? Were the Millers? Yes. I, I will henceforth probably refer to him as uh, Warlock. Oh, yeah. Uh, New Guardians. He was very good in that. I I w- didn't realize it was even him at first. He was caked under a lot of makeup. Mm-hmm. Very true. Or would have been Pennywise. Yes. Oh, All right. So you guys ready to jump into this thing? Yes. Let's yeah. record this fucker. Absolutely. All right. Midsommar from 2019, written and directed by Ari Aster. Alright, so I want to throw this out too. Listeners, if you do struggle with depression or some other kind of mental... Anxiety is a big one. The opening of this movie especially is probably not for you or to be treaded lightly because holy crap, 
this opening is the most depressing thing in the world. Like, it's a gut punch, just like the first 10 minutes of this movie. I think the first, like, okay, before it even gets bright, before it gets sunlight, I think it could be a short film on its own. It is, it is rough. Well, from the very beginning, we are told the entire movie. So you can just turn it off at that point. You already know the plot. Oh, with the big mural thing? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It literally shows you step by step everything that's going to happen, but you don't realize it. It's so funny. Someone has to make a poster of that, right? Like, you can probably buy that somewhere. I think they I think they printed there's a bootleg that I didn't get because it would have been an import from the UK and shipping costs is crazy right now. But there is a bootleg that had that mural broken into two sections going down the sleeves on a long sleeve. And it was incredible. That sounds awesome. But Danny, played by Florence Pugh, is calling home and leaves a voicemail about being worried about her sister, Terry. And it shows this message on her computer. It says, everything's black, can't do it anymore. Mom and dad are coming too. So obviously ominous, but it's said that her sister struggled with these kind of things for a long time. And Christian, more on him in a little bit, thinks (laughs) that she's just being overly dramatic and it's just another cry for help. Don't let her ruin your day. Yeah, and I think we've all, we've grown up in that time of technology where we've probably all had at least a friend who acted that way, whether it was like a call for help or whether it was, you know, them just looking for attention. We've all experienced that. So it was, it's almost a universal experience, I think, at this point. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Like once you're a a certain group of us age-wise, definitely have all dealt with this. Yes, and you immediately but, hear, like, the tone in Christian's voice when they're on the phone of he's, like, sighing out loud, like, so she can hear it and she's, like, reacting to it. It's like, I told you, if you keep fucking doing this, like, oh, god damn it. Like, I'm busy right now. I'm eating pizza with the bros. It's like, yeah. immediately he's, like, douchebag. And she's like, I know. I'm so sorry. You're right. Yeah, he's definitely a zero on that on that call, at least. And we'll get to him later. But I also think that it's done with such a nuance that you could see where that annoyance would be. Like if because we don't know if anything did happen or if anything. And it's it's played as if nothing ever has happened. So him kind of being annoyed by it, it's it's kind of understandable. Also, if if I'm mom and dad, I'm like, why do I have to come too? Exactly. What did the parents do? You can go. If you really, you just go. We're fine here. We'll stay home. Oh, they stayed home. (laughs) Oh, it's so insane. Dude, then it hard cuts to the murder-suicide scene, which this was obviously not a spur-of-the-moment thing. This was planned out. Supplies were purchased. Like, the car's running in the garage, and the hose is going from the exhaust. One going to the bedroom, which we saw the parents laying in there when Danny tried calling earlier. You think they're just asleep. But no, they're dead from the fumes. And then the big Terry, sleep, sister, yeah, the big sleep, has it duct taped to her mouth. Is this just so she like passes out first and won't fall out of her mouth and she accidentally survives? What's the duct tape for? Not to go into what's the best way to do this, but like, is that the only reason? That's the thing. Like, that's supposed to be like a thing. It's like kind of like, oh, you you go to sleep and then, oh, it's done. Like, it's supposed to be a peaceful way. Like, why? Like, she has puke all over her shirt. Why did you make it I the think worst that happens way possible? Once you're out. 
But I love she has like the double cars going. Because at first I'm like, how'd she split the tube on the Oh, she got both cars. <laughs> yeah, she yeah. was very She's... serious. Yeah, determined, this Terry. I, I also want to mention the the score on that, like the firefighters turning the cars off and everything. There's a an old, I think it's a Polish composer. Uh, his name was Penderecki. I think it's it's pronounced a different Polish way. I don't think Penderecki is what it is. I think it's like more like Pendreski or something. But he did this. Uh, it's called Threnody for the Victims of Hiroshima. I've mentioned it on my show a couple of times. I, I, will, I refuse to let this go. But it is such an unsettling thing. It's just these wild strings scraping. And it gave me that same feeling with this score. It's such an ominous but like awkward feel to it. I loved it. Oh, it makes your arm hair stand up when you hear it. Like, it's yeah. like nails on a chalkboard, almost, when that's, like, pulling on the strings is going. Well, this yeah. is such a great, like, another kind of thing going on. Of It goes back to Christian and all the bros, and they're eating pizza, and Danny's calling again, and Mark is like, dude, you gotta be kidding me. And then he, like, won't let him out of the booth. And you then, could be so impregnating that waitress right now. Yeah, because, like, the waitress gives him, like, a tiny little smile, and he's like, see? Yes. Um, but he, Christian's like, oh, God damn it. And then answers the phone like, hello. And all you get on the other end is. <laughs> and immediately, you know, Christian's like, oh, God damn it. Why couldn't I have broken up with her yesterday? Now I'm stuck. There's no breaking up with her now. Oh, your yeah. entire family's gone. Me too. Bye. Like, you can't do that. I think Florence Pugh acts her ass off in the whole movie, but with the grief itself is unreal to me. And I don't know if I saw her at least knowing who she was before this. I think that played into why I like this movie so much also is because other than eyebrows, which I saw in something before this, I don't think I knew anybody. So it kind of, it kind of made me believe it more. I felt like it was more of a documentary because I didn't really know anybody. Because rewatching it, knowing who Florence Pugh is and knowing some of the other characters, it's just kind of like, oh, yeah, this is definitely a movie. <laughs> yeah, I love the Florence Pugh meme now where any movie she's in, they just look for her like scowling or doing like the face. And it's just like all of the movies she's in, she does it at some point. Dude, when she cries, though, it's like. It's hard to explain, but it's the most realistic, like, I just found out my family's dead cry that someone can pull off in a movie. And she does it so many times throughout this movie. It's, it, it's Yeah, it's pure grief. It's unreal how good it is. It's not cute movie crying where they're like, I don't no. want to get my makeup fucked up and you still see my face. She's like, no, she's bawling. There's snot. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's painful. It's not, oh, I'm sad. It's, oh, my God, this hurts, which is what real grief is like. And we cut to some time later after a title card and everything. I think there's a title card there. I don't know. But they're going to a party. Danny's with Christian. And someone at this party lets it slip that all the boys are going to Sweden in two months. Well, and because Danny's in like kind of like, it's like a Saving Private Ryan when the bomb goes off. And they're like, Woo, and like everything's in slow-mo. She's like doing that around the room, not paying attention. All of a sudden she like kind of cues in that Christian is going to Sweden, right? Yeah. My homeland. I'm Swedish, um, but it's so Your great. Your homeland it's... is West Virginia. No, I'm technically born in Maryland. <laughs> I'm not from there. <laughs> but Danny, like, yeah, just zeroes in on Christian, like, what? And he kind of gives her one of those like white guy smirks, like, Rrr. 
And you know the entire time it's in his head of like, oh god damn it, this is gonna be a conversation. Because as soon as they get home, it's like he's just waiting for it. And the second she says like a single word, he's like snaps. Dude, but she's not being mean at home. Once they get back no. to the apartment, she is just being like, hey, it's just something I would have liked to know. And he gets super defensive. Right? Like, I don't know what you want me to do about it. Like, all that. Like, all she's doing is like, hey, you could have told me, but when are you going? Like, just talking. He gets so defensive. Like, she even goes, like, imagine if it was me. And all of a sudden, one of my friends says, we're going to China in two weeks or something. And he's like, okay, I'm sorry. I said, I'm sorry. Gosh. Well, as somebody that suffers with anxiety and has suffered heavily, I, I'm, I mean, knock on wood, I guess I'm doing okay currently, but who, as someone who's had crazy, crazy bouts of anxiety, you mentioned how she wasn't paying attention to that party. I think that is, that is the, like, everything's muffled around her and she's yeah. in her head. And that is the, per- I've, I don't know if I've ever seen a better representation of anxiety because she's in this very public place. She's with a, a bunch of people, but there's nothing else is happening. It's just white noise and she's in her own head. That is exactly what my anxiety feels like, at least. I'm not trying to put a, you know, a broad stroke. Everybody's anxiety is the same, but it was so good. And then when she's home, I also feel when they're when they're having an argument that she's trying to control her own anxiety about everything while it's happening. So she's like apologizing for not overreacting. And she has every right to be upset about what's happening. Oh, yeah. Like all of a sudden Liz is like, hey, I'm going to like leave for like a month and a half in two weeks. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry that like my friend had to tell you whatever. I would be like, what's going on? (laughs) Also, how you said about how well portrays anxiety. I want to point out, this movie is the first movie, like, when they're taking the hallucinogenics and everything, and it's not doing the crazy, there's a dragon behind them, and someone has three heads and all this kind of stuff. Ronald Reagan doesn't pop out of a donut. Yeah, exactly. Like, things just start moving weird and everything. Like, he's very good at capturing things that only exist inside your mind in certain situations. He's very good at minutiae. He's very good at the, 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 the little things. You're right, yeah. Just imagine the yellow submarine pops in behind every scene. Yeah, exactly. That's Ringo what everyone else does. Is that kind of stuff? Oh, hello! Everybody just sees a tie dye like in their eyes. It's like, okay, guys. Okay. Oh shit, man! Voodoo child. <laughs> then, by the way, we should run down our list. Danny is our star. Florence Pugh, Christian's her boyfriend. Pele, am I saying this right? I think so. He's the Swede. Josh is Cheaty from The Good Place, if anyone's seen that show. Yes. And Marcus yeah. Eyebrows. Yeah. Marcus Eyebrows. <laughs> Christian tells the others when they're hanging out that he invited Danny, but she he doesn't think she's actually going to come. Like, it was kind of like a pity invite. Like, you can come if you want, something like that, expecting her not to act on it. It's so funny, because, like, they're at, like, one of their buddies' apartment or something, and they're all just hanging out, and then here comes Danny. And Christian's like, oh, yeah, guys, by the way, she's going to be here in two seconds. I invited her to Sweden. Oh, here she is. (laughs) Yeah, he knew what he was doing. He's a zero to his friends and to his quote unquote love. Because immediately Mark is like, hey, uh, Christian, can you look at this paper I'm writing in the other room? And, you know, Mark is just like quietly screaming at him like, what the fuck? Why the fuck did you bring her to bringing her to Sweden? She's going to ruin everything. God fucking damn. I don't even want to go anymore. (laughs) Can I point out how happy I am that they didn't feel the need to show us that scene though? We are smart enough as viewers. 
We know that's what's going on in the other room. We don't need the scene cut to an already two and a half hour movie to add a five minute scene of that. It's just that little, hey, Christian, could you come here real quick? It's like, ah, yeah. you think you're that just going to yell that's at all him? I need. Yeah. I, that, I think that's what a lot of, a lot of, not just this movie, but it's that, it's it's kind of the way the old, like, slashers and stuff used to be, where your imagination's always going to be worse than what's happening. But yeah, he takes exactly. it to a new level and gives us some of the cerebral scenes are in our imagination. So it's it's whatever we make of those cerebral scenes. So that's why this movie also feels personal to me. And, and I, I assume it feels personal to other people that watch it because you're putting so much of yourself into it, I believe. Yeah. And Pele's teaching her about solstice traditions and everything. And she walks into the bathroom and he starts saying, by the way, I never got to tell you. I'm very sorry about what happened. Which... He means with oh. the best of intentions, I think, but of course it just sets her right back to, yeah, my parents and sister just died. And she walks into the bathroom. I love this transition because as the bathroom door opens, she walks into the room, it cuts to a bathroom on a plane. <laughs> a boo hoo hoo! I'm on a plane! <laughs> <laughs> Being on a plane isn't a magical place, Brett. You can still be sad on a plane. <laughs> I'm just crying in th- thousands of feet in the air! I know it's like she's going through like super dramatic stuff and her acting is like amazing, of course. But every single time there's a little voice in my head going, boo hoo hoo. Are you so sad? You you are cold. You would have dumped her the moment her parents died. You'd have been like, all right, sorry. I'd be like, now's the time to do it because you're not going to be any more, more hurt. So if I get out now, I'm just sorry. Yeah, compared to them, I'm nothing. So later. I'm going to move. Like <laughs> They get to Sweden and they're just walking through a field and they stop and meet other people in the fields coming home and their guests and everything. There's a, another local like Pele who went out and brought some friends from London home with them. I'm actually really excited to talk about the difference of reactions in the, the British people and the Americans later on. Yeah. But everyone just takes shrooms and Danny's like, no, I'm going to wait. And Mark's freaking <laughs> out because Christian's going to wait with it like, we gotta all do it at the same time. We're gonna have different trips, and Danny's peer pressured enough into it. Scruff McGruff sheds a tear. I love that, um, because Mark is like, "No, man, we gotta all do it at the same time." And Christian's like, "Well, you're gonna wait for us." Being like, "Come on, man! Like, I'm waiting with my girl." It's just like his like standing up to his friends moment. <laughs> before they get to the before they get to the field, though, and all that, there's a scene where they're driving. And I'm not this like, I'm not this guy. I'm not this cinematography snob. I'm not that guy. But the scene follows the car and then it like comes up over the car and then it goes in the front of the car and it makes it seem like it is the world is turning upside down. And I love yeah. the, the idea that everything is changing. Their worlds are turning upside down and we're seeing it visually when it's about to happen. Oh, definitely. Dude, the longer we do the show, ask Brett, I never used to, like, pick apart stuff no. like that. Now yeah. I'm also, like, I love the cinematography in this movie. I, fe- I feel like a snob when I say it, but I oh. legitimately mean it when I say it. The lighting in this movie is pretty good. Not as good as that other movie I watched. The lighting in that was superb. <laughs> yeah, but... Trust me, Greg, I know exactly what you're talking about, because there's never been moments when I would listen to an album and think at all about the producer 
of the album, <laughs> let exactly. alone now I think about who engineered this, who mixed this, like what studio was this recorded in? I feel like a snob and it does feel weird. <laughs> They're tripping and Mark's freaking out about it being light at 9 p.m. because it's the solstice is going on and it stays super light for this long there. By the way, I really hope I time this right. This episode's dropping in June. I tried to make well, it around the time of this. I think we got it. She's the May Queen, so I think it's in May, but maybe no, not? No, because they said they were going from June to July. Okay. I just heard May Queen during myself. I heard May Queen during this, and I'm like, it's close it's extremely close. But I was like, I remember Greg being all excited that he timed it like perfectly. <laughs> I, I hope I did. Brandon or Brett, do either of you know like what the actual midsummer thing is? Not the movie, but like that happens in Sweden. Um I mean I think it's a lot like what it kind of shows ish, but just without like the murders and like <laughs> suicides and stuff, but I think it's just a lot of pageantry, they a lot of runes. Like this must be why I love Halloween six. It's because I'm Swedish and Swedish people love runes. I'll yeah, take I it. can't say for sure. I know I definitely looked into it after watching the movie, and I think it was one of those things where there it's one of two things. There was either way too much information and I didn't know what to look at, or it was just like not enough information. All of it was pointing me towards the movie that I just watched. So I was that like, eh, I, I, I know what I know. I don't need to be an expert on this. It would be really cool if they did more movies where like they did like, oh, All Hallows Eve, their celebration for that. The shitty Christmas, whatever. Maybe they ignore it. Danny's tripping out and goes on an adventure and ends up in an outhouse, but sees her dead sister's face still hose attached and everything in the mirror and freaks out and runs into the woods, wakes up six hours later and... They all just walk to the commune together with the others. Well, so I she like... wakes she wakes up on the ground, and it's so great. She's like, what's going on? They're like, you slept for like six hours. She's like, is it tomorrow? It's like, well, by the... What, what did he say? Some douchebaggy thing of like, well, by tomorrow's standards, it's today, or whatever, you know. I think the moment when she sees her sister in the mirror is the only like connecting tissue between this and what I would anticipate like a normal horror movie being almost. And I watching it the first time that happened, I said, oh, I see where we're going with this. And I sure didn't. I sure sure did not. See, I don't think it's supposed to be like she's being haunted because one of the things they tell people when you take stuff like this is yeah. don't look in mirrors because your face and your surroundings get all weird and then you instantly have a bad trip. So I think it's legit still in that realistic world of the movie just with that. Yeah, I'm not saying she was being haunted. I'm saying I think that was that could have been done in a more standard horror movie and it would have oh, okay. appeared that way. But they meet the family and... By family, I mean everyone who lives here. More on that later. And today is just festivities. Tomorrow the ceremony begins. There's this... We get in the layout of the land here. There's this big round stage-like thing that's only like a foot off the ground. But the lady, Siv, was on the stage and gives a toast. And then she does it in English so the out-of-towners don't feel left out. And then the locals start holding hands and do their dance thing around the area while they're all sitting there. There's just a lot of like culture shock going on. It's a lot of the like Americans and like other pe the people from other countries just sitting around like being like, 
kind of awkward and being like all the Swedish people are having fun dancing and they don't care. They do this like all the time. And all of the Americans are like, oh, I'm not going to spin around and dance. Just sit here in my hoodie. Also, why do they have so, like, they're wearing, like, jeans and hoodies and stuff. They mention it's, like, the hottest summer in, like, record time, like, in, like, the last, like, bunch of years or something. How yeah, are they not dying? Ticks. They're all terrified of ticks. If you know, if listeners know, one time I had to call off a podcast because I was fixing a mower with my father and it was too sunny outside and I got sick. <laughs> And I will never let you forget it. I got too hot and I couldn't talk. Brett felt faint that day. <laughs> you were trying to take but, off your skin, not just your shirt. Yeah. <laughs> but Christian and Josh join in the little dance skippy thing. And Pele gives Danny this drawing of her in a flower crown for her birthday. She's like, Christian didn't even remember. Well, that's my fault. I didn't remind him. No, you should know your birthday if you've been together for four years. Yeah, this whole time, Pele, since, like, the apartment scene, the second he saw her, he's like, I'm gonna fuck her. I'm getting her away from Christian. Me and Danny are gonna be together. We're gonna get rid of him. Danny's gonna come be May Queen, and we're gonna have all kinds of blonde babies in the Swedish Alps. See, the weird thing about Pele to me is he still never seems bad. Like, he knows exactly what he's doing. We see what he's doing. We know the the end result of what's happening. But for some reason, he never seems like a bad guy to me, which is strange. And then I also wonder, do you think he, like, knew, if not in the apartment, at this point, he knew, like, oh, she has a potential to be part of the family? I think so, because he got excited about her coming. Yeah, I, think I was so. thinking so. I don't think that he could predict the May Queen, because as we'll cover, it's more of a competition situation. Yeah. <laughs> But I think he knew that there was a chance, and and maybe that is that you're taught to target grief, which is kind of how a lot of cults happen. (laughs) Yeah. And I definitely, I'm going to be honest with you, if you walked me into a field, into what we walk into on that first time they see it, I'm joining that cult in a heartbeat. I don't care what I got to do. Let me in. I would be I've always wanted to start a cult. This makes me very happy to know that I can count on you. It's so bright. It's so beautiful. I love everything about what's going on. I love it. Although I am, I am also scared of ticks. So that's where we would be on that also. No joke. I went on a hike the other day and I found two ticks on me. Thankfully they Uh had not bitten yet, but I was freaking out for the rest of the day. I found one burrowed in my belly like a month ago. Ah! Nope. Sorry. But. All the friends are walking around and we see the sacred temple, which they are not allowed in, which is this A-frame yellow building kind of on the edge of their whole little camp here. And there's a bear just in a cage. Immediately when the weird, like, cult people, you're like, what's that building? You're like, no one can go in there. I'd be like, I want to leave. Yeah, right away. <laughs> nope, I'm out. I know what happens in these movies. Yeah, I love you but like you said, Greg, there's that whole... They are there. They know they're there to experience this culture that's different. So there's that whole thing where like, oh, okay, that's your culture. Like you would be interested. But I think that feeling is in everybody inherently is that you don't want to disrespect the culture. I know that's not really an American feeling most of the time, but you don't want to disrespect the culture when you're there, especially you're there to do like your college thesis or whatever on it. You don't want to. Yeah, which Josh is doing. We haven't mentioned, but yeah. But I for, I do love, though, like you said, Greg, they're like, is no one going to mention the bear? And the one Swedish person's <laughs> like, it's a bear. What else is there to say? 
And then we see this tapestry that at first I'm watching makes no sense whatsoever, but it basically shows how to do a love spell, and which includes trimming your pubes, putting it in food for the person you're after, you gotta menstruate into a cup, and a bunch of other stuff. But yeah, that'll come into play. It's like the the guy that you want to love you drinks the cup and then it's like them together and he has like swirly eyes because he's like in a trance to love you. <laughs> and when I say I love all the imagery of this, I uh, that that is blanket. It has to include the pube pie Im- imagery. I, I love I love a good pube pie imagery, I guess. He could do worse than getting a redhead pube in a thing. At least it was red. I don't know, dude. I'm not I'm not into this. But okay. <laughs> I don't want to eat hair either, but, you know, it happens. It's literally a hair pie. Yeah. Yeah. They find where they'll be sleeping, and it's just this big, like, communal sleep area with all these beds lined around the room. Did you notice? I forget. I don't know which one of the friends asked, but they're like, what's the masturbation situation in here? Like, how do we jerk off? Who do you think it was? Take a wild guess. It's fucking eyebrows. Is it Mark? Of course. Yeah. (laughs) Because he's also, like, Mark's vaping. He's, like, it's this, like, big, like, cool, like, old-school Swedish, like, building and all and these He's ripping weird... a pen. He has a fucking vape pen. <laughs> yeah, that's him. Also, at least for me, when all this is happening, like, everything, it, it is all beautiful, and it is great, but there is this unease that is surrounding everything, and it doesn't seem aimed anywhere. For me, it's just there's that unease surrounding everything. Everyone has that cult smile to them of everyone's yeah. happy at all times. Yeah. Why are you not allowed to not smile? Dude, Christian tries saving the fact that he forgot her birthday here, and <laughs> it's a little on the nose. But he can't light the candle. He can't keep their flame in their relationship lit. A little uh, on the nose, but I see what they did there. And because yeah. Pele like pulls a book over to the side. It's like, Christian, you forgot her birthday. Like, no, she didn't say anything. I'm just looking out for you, man. And then he blames it on the light, the lighting situation. Yes. I thought yesterday was the day, babe. What do you want from me? I don't know what's going on. Holy fucking shit. And he like throws the cake. Like, I'm so mad. <laughs> See, I gotta go fight. There's no drywall in this place. What do I punch? <laughs> He's definitely a drywall puncher. <laughs> Next day, they're all sitting around this weird-shaped table to eat, and they're all standing there until someone rings a bell. They sit and eat. Again, this is just my nightmare, not knowing. I'm like, am I allowed to touch the food now? What's going on? It's like when I go to a family's, like, dinner who's invited me over, but I was unsure they were religious. And not bad, but, like, they do a prayer before, but I don't realize it, and I go to start eating, and it's an awkward moment. Oh, I had to go to, I think it was a Catholic wedding, like a year or two ago. And it's all the standing up and sitting down, and you have to do all this stuff. And I'm never really going to church, so I don't know what to do. So I'm just like a step behind everyone, basically. And after it was all done, the guy behind me tapped me on the shoulder. He's like, for not knowing what you were doing, you did okay. I was like, was it that obvious? That I was just like, oh, okay, we sit now. Why are we standing again? And now we're kneeling? Come on. I am not kneeling. <laughs> the two older people that were holding the torches earlier at like the welcome ceremony stand and start chanting. Then they do this inhale exhale thing that they all do like <sighs> thing that everyone does here. It's like us at the beginning, like, hey, you guys ready to record? Yeah, just a second. <clears throat> <clears throat> yes. And th- they both take a drink and they're carried away. 
Mark goes to take a nap while everyone else gathers under a cliff. Look, I like this because I saw some people say, well, this was telegraphed. We all knew this was happening. Like, we knew they were going to dive off the cliff. I think that's what makes this scene better. We know what the fuck is going on, even though they don't say it, but it's just waiting for it to happen and what's going to go on with it. Yeah, yeah they, do, they do say that some kind of ceremony is happening. I don't remember the name they use for it. But it they also at a stupa. Okay. And um Cheedy knows, knows that is it is it Cheat yeah, is Cheedy Josh? <laughs> yeah, Cheedy's uh, Josh. Okay. Yeah, jo- Josh Josh does know because he mentioned he said something about it. He goes, is that is it, is it real? Like a real one? But they we also when they were introducing the living situation, they talked about how they see their ages as the seasons. Yeah. And and the last season is up to 76. And then they say, well, what happens at 76? And then it kind of slowly morphs into, well, we're going to have this ceremony. And I'm going to be honest, though. I don't know if that woman looks 76. I thought it was 72. Or it might be 72. I don't have the number Still, written down. But yeah. counterpoint, they live in Sweden, eat a very organic diet. Maybe that's all. <laughs> You're true. Yeah. The dude looked ancient, though. Yes. Yes. <laughs> He lied. He lied. He already passed that age a while ago. <laughs> kept telling people he was a year or two younger. He wasn't ready. He's about, he's about You're 90. <laughs> yeah. I also think, because it, it's not like these are like husband and wife. It's like they're just two people that happen to come to 72 at the same age. And now they, they have are to family the members. Though. Yes. Family members. But I love to think there's a part of them where like they hate each other and they're like, God damn it, we're gonna have to do that fucking ceremony when we go both fucking die. I have to stand who I want to go first, because I don't want to go after you and get your blood all over me. What they do is they cut their hand and wipe it on this etched stone on top of the cliff, and then the woman jumps off and she does it the right way. Yes, the right way. Very good point. But she smacks her head off the rock. Head, face is caved into nothing. And then slow-mo bounces up, and you get that shot. And I'm like, oh my god. Just no more face. And that exact moment, by the way, this is a long movie. That's capital L-O-N-G, long. It's a long movie. Yeah, and I'm going to so, apologize because it's going to be a long episode, probably. Yeah, and I guarantee you I'm not going to help that because I... I do love this movie, but at that point when she jumps, it's one hour, one minute and 46 seconds into this movie. And I feel like that is when the unease flips that switch. And then it's pure anxiety. Like there, there will not be another non anxious scene for me. The rest of this movie, I was anxious up until then, but it was more of an unease that flips that switch to, Oh, this is a whole different thing. Dude, it reminds me of the telephone pole scene from Hereditary. Like, there's yes. that moment where everything changes. That's this moment. Yes. Yes. I'll, I'll, you can cut this out, but have you guys seen Bo is Afraid? No, I haven't seen it yet. No. Yeah, I haven't either. I want to really bad, but Hurt is also long. Yeah, I'm tired of long movies, dude. I need some shorter stuff. <laughs> I know. Well, that's coming into Midsummer. I do love it so much, but I'm always hesitant to watch it because the runtime scares me. So I was like, do I want to devote two and a half hours to a movie? But once you're into it, you're like, oh, okay, I'm into it. There's a part later where the runtime uh, acts against it for me because I, I play this movie a lot. I will just turn this movie on randomly, but there is a part probably two hours-ish in where I've either been asleep when that comes on all the time or I'm zoning out when that's on. But there, because there's moments in this movie that I 
don't remember as clearly even close as all the rest of it. Oh, I have that a lot with my regular rewatch movies. There's always one scene that seemed to miss. Yeah, yes. But now the man's turn to jump off, and he goes feet first like he's just stepping into a swimming pool and, of course, doesn't die. Yeah. No, and he just lands there, and he's, like, moaning and screaming, and then you get, like, the whole cult starts screaming along with him. They're sharing the pain. And he, like, looks down. His legs are all, like, completely fucked up. He's already bleeding from the mouth. Like, why did... How many of these ceremonies have you seen over the years? This is what you're doing? You go feet first? Dive head first? Have it done with? Because now you're gonna get your skull caved in by four people. Even though the second blow does it, they're still fucking bashing him. They got to make sure. It's like it's like the Pope. You got to make sure he's done. <laughs> but yeah, so all these small, like, not very, it's not like the strong man at the carnival who, like, <laughs> hits the thing with the hammer and the little bell goes up. It's not like that kind of person. It's like these small girls go up and beat him in the head with the mallet. Yeah, this is like to kill him. Who are the mallet people? That's what I was going to say. How do you get the job as a mallet person? Who's like, I want to do it. They're like, you want to do it a little too much there, Randy. <laughs> yeah, settle down, bud. <laughs> um, the London visitors, by the way, are freaking out here. They want to leave right away. The American ones are more in shock. Danny is not having it. And obviously after just dealing with a suicide watch and two people yeah. commit suicide probably isn't easy. But I'm talking about the other ones. They're like shocked, but they're not necessarily freaking out where the London people are ready to go, which I don't know is a commentary on, like, how desensitized Americans are to violence or not. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. To me, it more stood out as they're not there in an educational sense. They are actually there for a vacation, they thought, versus the London people culture. Yes. So okay. they were so shocked because they thought, oh, we're going to have a nice, you know, oh, it's, it's just a summer celebration. We're going to have a good time here. And then that happens, as opposed to, well, I mean... Josh knew what was going to happen, basically. Yeah. And then the other people are just kind of, they kind of know, but they don't know. I, I, Josh may have told them, again, that's maybe something that we made, I made up in my head. <laughs> that, well, that no, happened. because there was at one point, because Josh, they, when they mentioned what the ceremony's called, yeah. and Josh kind of smirks, he's like, really? And Christian's like, what's going on, Josh? And Josh yeah. smirks, he's like, you'll see. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so I guess it is clear that he didn't tell them. Yeah. I make up stuff all the time for what happens in movies, so. We do all the time. We have our headcanons. Back at the room, Christian tells Josh that he's doing his thesis on this, and Josh is obviously mad, because now they're going to have two of the same theses. Thesi? Theses? I don't know. But. Thesis-y. He thinks he's getting ripped off, and Pele's like, what are you mad about? He tells Josh, no, nothing can be written about this at all. And he's like, well, I'll change all the locations, all this kind of stuff. And he's like, well, I'll talk to the elders and see what they say. That feels weird to me, too, though, because, like, did they know the plan the whole time? Like, was there ever a chance any of them were leaving? I think he's doing this, like, just to keep up appearances. Like, it would be almost weird if he was completely fine with everything being written. So maybe this is just, like, a little bit of cover. Like, I gotta resist this a little bit, even though he's dying. But there's also no way that Josh didn't talk to him about doing it. Like, that's why they came along. That's why it was so strange to me. I was like, this seems weird. Yeah. Danny's freaking out and packing, going to leave. Pele comes in to calm her down. 
gives a speech about how he's a, technically an orphan too. He lost his parents in a fire. Holy shit, that's just clicking in my head now what fire he lost his parents in. Oh, and, wow. The, the wow. fire. Wow, yeah. yes. Okay. Wow. I just got that too. Nice one, Greg. Yeah, I'd never consider this. I'm like, wait a second. Of course they died in a fire. My dad but, was a bear. <laughs> the community you became You get a fire or a cliff. Those are the only two ways you're getting out of there. And he wants this to have the same effect on Danny, how, like, the community helped him heal and everything. Then the corpses are burned just like Darth Vader style at the end of Return of the Jedi. They just out in the open burning them. Like they're, they're roasting a pig. It's just two yeah. open, two dead bodies openly burning. Like that place is gonna fucking stink. Yeah. yeah Christian's so defending what they saw to Danny, and I'm very torn on how I would react. And it's obviously my gut reaction when it first happens is. What the fuck? We're leaving. But let's say I couldn't leave for that moment. Like, when I had time to sit and think on it, I don't know. Like, would I be like, well, like he says, we put our elderly in nursing homes. Like, and yeah. is this, like, if they want to do this, is this an okay alternative? Like, I'd probably be like, look, not for me, but you guys do you after sitting on it for a little bit. Without the rest of it. And at the end of the day, they didn't, they weren't pushed. They walked no. and they jumped. So that, I think that's exactly. where you, you can't argue with it. You're like, they did it. So I, you know, who knows? I, I, again, I hope I never experienced that situation. I mean, if I'm in the cult, we'll talk about it. But they, they do give them a nice little power trip right before they die, too. Of like, no one can eat or sit down or do anything until you do it. And we will ring bells. So much so when I watched it the first time, I thought they were the leaders. I was like, oh, here we yeah. go. Now, now we're getting into it. We got the we got the leaders. It's, it's David Crash. Danny that night has a nightmare about being left behind there as I like how even in her nightmare Mark's a dick. They're all driving away and Mark's looking at her and sees her there and then all the exhaust from the car as they drive away comes up and gets her. She wakes up and that night was it Maya? Maha? Oh yeah. The redhead Maya girl. or whatever. Oh, yeah. yeah redhead girl. She has a rune. She's like I want to give Christian a rune. But she just puts it under his bed, and Josh sees it, and asks Pele, what is this? Your sister put it under Christian's bed, and Pele just laughs, like, huh, it's a love rune. It's like, I guess I wouldn't be too concerned either, because I'm like, oh, it's like a crush thing. They obviously don't have magic powers. They might like, have It's magic so powers. funny, like, because I know, like, and having seen this a few times, there's so many shots of just, like, her staring at him. And knowing what happens the entire time, she's just like, I'm going to fuck you. <laughs> you are Dude. you are going to be helped by all of us inside. Of <laughs> oh, I can't wait till we get there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Pelly tells Josh and Christian they can do their thesis, but they have to split it. And now, like, I'm wondering why we even spend time on this. Like, like you said, Breda, why does this even come up? Because they're both dying anyway. I mean, I think that may be one of the only functions of a movie in this where like that's to keep us thinking that it's not all bad. Like, yeah. I think we're still I mean, it's still anxious as hell. It's still very uneasy. But I think that's to be like, oh, no, there's still a chance that, you know, not every not, nothing's going to be bad. They're, they're going to get out of here. It's a weird experience, but they're going to get out of here. This is where we talked about the beginning of the episode of Mark has to take a piss. And instead of going to wherever <laughs> is where they do this or into the woods just pisses on this random dead tree that's laying here with ashes all over it. And he's it's like, the there is a, 
there is a bathroom over there, but I want to go take an American piss. Dude, as free as one, I can be. Everyone's offended, obviously, in the village, but the one dude I think is going to rip <laughs> his throat out on the spot. I love this guy and how scared Mark is of him. And for the rest of the movie, until Mark disappears, the guy's just shooting daggers at him to where Mark's like, is that guy going to fucking kill me? <laughs> I want to put some headcanon for me in this where that guy is the child of one of the two that just died. Yeah. It's like I'm pissing on like dad's fresh ashes. Yeah. Like dad just got laid with the ancestors and now he's he's wet in urine. Like the, the yeah, ashes are so hot, so when he pees on it, it does that little steam. like <laughs> the sizzle. Yeah. Simon and Connie go to leave. There are London friends here, and Father Odd says that the truck already took Simon, but it'll come back for you, and she right away has danger alarm. That doesn't make sense, he wouldn't do that. Oh, there's only room for him. She goes, well, he'd still tell me first. And, like, she's freaking out. We'll find Simon later on. Christian is interviewing a guy. I like the differences in Christian and Josh's interviews. Josh is, like, pretty respectful, like, and asking the right kind of, like, intellectual questions, I guess you could say. Yeah. Christian is interviewing a guy, and he's just like, so is there, like, any incest that goes on? Like, just <laughs> right out on Front Street. And the guy kind of looks shocked, almost like it's kind of brought up. He's like, well, uh, was it um mating must be approved through the elders. Cousins are allowed sometimes. We do have our incest prophet. And we need to invite other pe in outside people sometimes. Yeah. So it's just like peak that up of just like, oh, you you want me to come in one of these girls? Josh is, Josh is interviewing now about their like holy texts written by Reuben. <laughs> And so Ruben is this boy whose mind is free of, what do you say, cognition? I think that's what he said, yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Or something like that. Because he is inbred, and what he does is basically draws on the book, like finger paints on it from the looks of it, and then the elders interpret what he is declaring and adds to their holy books. Just okay. as sensible as most religions. I mean, yeah. I'm going to look into this hat. <laughs> <laughs> Let's gaze into this litter box and see what my cat's trying to tell me. <laughs> the next meal, they talk about how Connie and Simon are gone, and Mark's like, she was going for the world championship and sprinting earlier or something, so something was chasing her. But one of the locals says he drove her to the station earlier and they left. And Christian finds the pube in his meat pie here, and I like right away, because let's be real, we're all adults. You can tell the difference between a hair that fell off someone's head and that. Very different textures. Like, it's a pube. He knows right away. This is a yeah. curly, oddly shaped red hair, yes. <laughs> Why is it so wiry in my mouth? <laughs> <laughs> Did you guys notice the cup detail? The drinks? Oh yeah, they're all, like, yellow, but his is kind of red. Yep. Yes. Um, like, oh, they must know I like fruit punch. Mm, nom, 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 nom. Iron! Mark, who's just wanted to get laid this whole time, has his best stroke of luck because some girl comes up to him and says she wants him to follow her. And he, of course, no questions asked, just goes with her. That's what. That's right after, like, the guy's shooting daggers at him and Mark's like, yeah. am I going to fucking die? And then all of a sudden, one of the cult people comes over and is like, you follow me, yes. And it's like, okay, I'm going to go follow her, yes. And they just wander away. 
That night, Josh sneaks out, because he did ask when he was interviewing, can he take a photograph of the book, and the guy was like, absolutely not. No questions asked whatsoever. I love his reaction so much, where he's like, no, no, and he like shuts the book and like pulls it away from him. <laughs> yes, but Josh sneaks out the photograph of the book. Facts! Look, up until this moment, Josh was the only out of the friend group, like, the one I think is okay. I'm like, you know what? He's yeah. doing his thing. He's normal. This is a dick move, Josh. Oh, when he yeah. sneaks out. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he's been the only, like, logical and, like, rational person for the most part. Because he, he has more of that scientific mind. Yeah. There is no sneaking around. It never gets dark. Everyone sleeps. Well, it does. It, it, that's as dark as it gets. It's still, like, yeah. dusk. There's no sneaking around. And also, you're going to sneak into, like, the most private building of, like, the whole place and be taking yeah. pictures with a flash on? It might as well just be, like, clink, like the big noise. Yeah, you might as well have a giant flash bulb and a hat that says press on it. Yeah, it's <laughs> like... You the old calendar, you have to squeeze the ball thing to take the picture. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but a man appears behind him wearing Mark's face, like Leatherface style, and bludgeons Josh. I think it's Ruben. And no pants. Yes, no pants. That's important. Is that who you guys <laughs> took it as? Is it the the inbred boy who does the paintings? I don't I, know. I, th I think that's what I thought it was the first time, and then I don't think I cared. <laughs> Anytime after, I'm like, does oh, it. it happened. It happened, yeah, Ooh. whatever. The Leatherface thing is an odd choice with it. That's all I'm saying. It's so great where Josh looks up. He's like, Mark? Because from a distance, a distance, it just looks like Mark's standing there with no pants on. Yeah, and he did um, know Mark went to get laid earlier. Breakfast the next day, they make an announcement that the Book of Ruby Radar has been taken. And no questions asked. We just want it to be returned. And Christian's like... They ask, hey, where are your friends? He goes, I know this looks bad. You have to believe us. We know nothing about it. He, he throws well, his friends under the bus right away. He goes in, like, damage control mode immediately. It's like, we do not associate with those people. We are very sorry about uh, anything that might harm your culture. He's, like, bowing to them. Like, <laughs> Brett, just know I practiced this speech a thousand times in case you ever say something wrong on here. Just throwing that <laughs> out there. I do not know him whatsoever. We are not friends. <laughs> Danny is with the women for the day's activity, and Siv requests Christian to report to her house. Danny takes some tea, with uh, the mushroom tea again, I'm assuming, and gets a flower crown. And this is what, they have to stand around this giant, like, floral cross-looking thing, effigy, and she starts tripping again. And this is like, what, an endurance competition? Is that how we describe this? It's like a different version of like an Always Sunny in Philadelphia when they had to do the dance competition to like keep the bar theirs. <laughs> Which was based on a documentary of the same thing that I think was in the ooh, early 90s-ish, where there was like a dance-a-thon situation. And I think people did die of like exhaustion well, and shit. <laughs> some of those early radio contests, like there was that, there was the one the where truck. it's like, if you drink like all like a two gallons of water, yeah. like super quickly and they died like after that. And it's Everybody like, keep your hand on the car. The oh, wild yeah. and then... of nineties radio. <laughs> yeah, 
man, just a wild west. I always kind of that that whole like keeping your hand on some on a car to win it though. That was like a trope in like was that in our cartoons or just in our shows we were watching? Period. Because I feel like that's I in a lot everywhere. of shows. I feel like I saw it everywhere, and I really wanted to do it. I was like, oh, I can win that. No problem. I got that. Yeah. Give me a little portable DVD player. I'm fine. Yeah. Oh no, my batteries ran out. <laughs> but so they just have to like hold hands and spin around this thing, and they're all tripping balls too, which I guess adds an extra element to it. And eventually, you fall down, and it's basically a Royal Rumble type deal. Last woman standing becomes the May Queen. <laughs> yes, definitely. What I was thinking of while watching this was Royal Rumble. Yep. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> By God, it's Christian in a bear suit with a steel chair. (laughs) Here comes Fountain Face. uh, Siv is asking Christian how he feels about Maya, and he's been approved to mate with her. Um, I guess that's like the parents' blessing, okay? And he goes. Wouldn't it it be the elders that would have to approve it? I mean, she is the elder, and they're all kind of like siblings, so I guess. Yeah, I think I took it as under like the the elders are kind of like their their government. Like it's not elders as an age; it's elders as in like you're uh, brought okay. you're brought up to that. But elders might just be those people of that certain age. Like you're an elder once you reach what was what was it past forty? I don't remember. I, don't uh, remember I think it was like fifty four to seventy something was the yeah maybe fifty four to seventy is the elders. So like that they had to approve her having sex, but. But he, if he's an outside guy, I don't know if it needs approved. I don't know. Christian does not deserve to get with <laughs> the red-haired goddess dancing around. <laughs> you want to talk about sunlight and how great it is this in this movie? Just that sunlight reflecting off the red hair. And the super white body. I knew what watching this movie. I'm, like, I'm going to be hearing about this a lot on this episode, aren't I? I was just like, Liz, like, God damn it, why isn't she home? See, it's weird because that's the exact moment where my wife would walk in. Like, there could be no nudity or anything in an entire movie, and somehow she will walk into the room when that's happening. She's like, "What are you watching? Like, this isn't what I'm. This isn't it. Like, what do you mean? I'm not- <laughs> this is this moment." I'm not in here watching porn alone with clothes on. Yeah, just trying like covering movies like Frankenhooker and, and having to say it's for the show all the time. <laughs> yes. The other day I was looking on Instagram and I follow Karen Gillian and my wife just happened to look at my phone and I was just happened to be scrolling past a picture of her. She's like, of course. <laughs> but we're down to our last eight and while watching this competition, a woman gives Christian spring water with special properties, is how she describes it. At first, he's not going to drink it. And then he looks over at mine and basically gives a, oh, what the hell, and downs the drink. It's like, it lowers your inhibitions and blah, blah, blah. And he looks over at her and he's like, yeah, I guess. I know what's happening. The dance-off finishes up with Danny, high as hell, winning and becoming this year's May Queen. And, and it's so it's so triumphant. Like for me, deal being with her through her grief in this whole movie, and then her winning, and even though she doesn't quite know what's going on, it feels so triumphant for, for me, and I love it. It's it's the ultimate juxtaposition where the movie has been devolving. We've seen with the violence and the chaos and the mayhem with everything happening, and then there's this beautiful moment of her 
finally something okay happening to her at least because we don't know what exactly is happening so we're just like oh she won yay she got something um, the music the music's swelling up too and everything it's like you know yes. there's a triumphant moment and everything and yes. dude just to sell it's like the the hero wins and everyone hoists them up they literally have her stand on this like platform and they all carry her over to the table as she now has the head of the table spot so like she's yeah. obviously bestowed a great honor here and well this is this is the moment of it reminds me of like you've seen those videos where like it's the little kid and it's like his uh it's like the talent show or whatever and he's looking around to see his mom and dad and he sees him and he gets all happy he's like hi it's like danny's doing that looking for christian and christian's not paying any attention he's completely aloof and danny's almost like god damn it like she really starts to turn around at some point in this movie to be like i don't like you actually yeah yeah he's a zero that's why <laughs> i'd be so confused like what am i supposed to do but she kind of gestures to sit down and everyone does and then they try to force feed her a raw fish and <laughs> they're like eat the herring eat the herring and they're like, first you got to get a tail first and then she's like Pleh! and then she does like the ultimate pouty face and they all yeah. laugh they all giggle oh she got us again at this point, Christian's like sitting in the middle of the table and he's tripping hard. He looks like he touch he like taps his old man. He's like, Hey man, like I'm not doing too good. And he just claps in his face, which just makes everything way worse. Cause Christian's almost like, Why'd you do that? <laughs> Why would you do that? <laughs> Cause now he's he's terrified. Cause just that that sound really just he was barely hanging on, and then that clap really went, oh no, oh no, this is bad. Dude, and from that moment to the end of the movie, I know we said, like, it really starts with the cliff, but, like, that's where it starts speeding up. This is where, like, yeah. the pedals are the floor for the rest of the movie, though, yeah. right after the clap. Because Danny is carriaged away by a bunch of girls pulling her on this flower carriage to go plant some meat in the ground and bless it. But while oh. she's doing that... Maya was giving Christian the sex eyes and everything, and he goes into the... He goes to plant some meat of his own. Yeah. <laughs> he goes in this room, and it's the weirdest, bizarre scene in the world. He walks in, and she's laid out naked on this, like, grass and flower bed that's in this building, while there are approximately 15 other naked women standing behind her, like, chanting and doing, like, motions together and everything. He goes into the like hut or whatever, and like this old guy comes out with like this dish of smoke, and he's like inhale. And Chris was like, "All right, what was that?" And it's like it helps with vitality. How many drugs do they got to pump into this fucker to get him to fuck that redhead? Like he's already like they like force feed him more LSD. Now he's having to take like boner smoke. It's like, what's wrong with this guy? That was my nickname in high school, by the way. Boner spoke. That's a good <laughs> <fan> name. <laughs> but I will still remain the blanket. The I love the aesthetic of this movie will maintain through this scene. Like I, even with the multitude of naked bodies around and how <laughs> awkward it is and how terrifying I think it would be to not only be there but to perform. Oh yeah. It's still it's still such a beautiful scene with but that the, the beautiful is also right beside how dark this feels. I I love it. I love it so much. 
I feel like that's why you need the boner smoke, though, is because yes. if it's just you and her, you're probably fine. With an audience of singing and chanting people, you might need the boner smoke. <laughs> that yeah. is true. Yeah, I can see that. Um, all of the Danny May Queen ritual stuff going on right now just seems like a big... Let's distract the girlfriend so we can get the boyfriend to fuck the like one that we picked to be impregnated this year. It's just like keep her busy. See, I've found it both ways because I've I felt that a bunch, and then I've tried to see it from a different angle, and it is like they are celebrating her because she is the May Queen. Yeah, because the May Queen is apparently the most important out of them, at least for this ceremony, you know? So I, I see it both ways and I don't know which way it was supposed to be. I don't actually know. Dude, the sex, I, I can't get off of this. I'm sorry, but it's, <laughs> it's so weird. Cause eventually when he, I guess might be a little hesitant. One of the background women, I guess we can call them. Gives them a little kickstart. Encouragement. And another is behind him pushing his, his ass into her back and forth and they're all vocalizing with her like she's moaning and they're like imitating her sounds like into their chants and everything and it is so much of like <laughs> he's having sex with her and then it's like the older ladies just like you're not going deep enough go deeper it starts pushing on his ass <laughs> i mean you guys are familiar with the mormon act of soaking right yeah, I've heard I of this. I can't say I am. Soaking, uh, Mormons aren't allowed to have premarital sex. So they will do a thing, and it's a loophole that they don't consider it sex if they just put the penis inside and don't move. So then they will actually <laughs> go, they will go one or two steps further, and there are, there will be people that will either jump on the bed so the bed moves and you're not moving. <laughs> or there are stories of friends pushing your hips because you're not doing it. So you can't, it's not a sin if you're not doing it. You're like, hey, Greg, are you doing anything this weekend? Have a favor. <laughs> Remember what I did for you last weekend? <laughs> this is where Danny comes back to the village and she hears the singing moaning going on and she goes and peeps through the peep, like the keyhole and she sees and this just does her in and this is. I should have did cry, uh, Count of the Cry for this movie, but she oh, runs God. away and is wailing again. And all the women... There you go, Brett. All the women who are with her take her into this other building, and she's sobbing, and they're doing like what they're doing in the sex room, and like vocalizing her sobs with her. But I think this moment is where she honestly decides she's joining, is right yes. here, because... This is the first point in the movie anyone has given a shit that she's crying. Yeah. The first yeah. time anyone's like comforted comforted her, um, she actually like feels like, oh, this could be a family. Like, I this is what I need. Like, I've been trying to get Christian to give me any kind of affection whatsoever, and all he does is that like white guy smirk at me. Yeah, it's yeah. the it's the whole sharing of your emotions and the sharing of your grief, and they are not only willing that they to do it, they are happy to do it almost like they, that's what they want. And because she lost her family and she feels disconnected from everything, gaining this family who is giving her that, that that's it. It's end all be all. Yeah. This is the moment. I think she's like, I'm staying here. Yeah. But 
Christian finishes as Maya rolls back to make sure it all gets nice and soaked in there good. It reminds <laughs> me of Big Lebowski when she, like, all of a sudden, like, rolls it and, like, she's, like, has her legs hunched up. He's like, what are you doing? He's like, oh, this helps with fertiliz- uh, fertilization. or Is that what it's called? Yeah. Okay. Um, and he's like, oh, what the fuck? It's also just so great where Christian has, like, the post-nut clarity of, like, while it's going on, you know, he's like, this is real fucked up, but it feels good. Like, I'm just kind of focused in on it. As soon as he comes, it's like everything, like, runs back to Earth. He's like, oh, what the fuck is going on? Because he immediately stands up and just goes running away. (laughs) Naked, by the way. Yeah, just holding his crotch. He sees Josh's leg, and we know it's Josh because he's the only black character in this entire village during all this. It is Sweden. He sees his leg planted in the ground, sticking up like it's a plant, and then is obviously terrified. He runs into this, like, barn house, like, with the chickens and stuff, and Simon is strung up here. This is a thing that allegedly, they're not sure they can prove it actually ever happened or not, but in, like, medieval torture times and everything called a blood eagle, where they would string you up like this and cut you open and pull your lungs out so they were still breathing and you would just be stuck like this. And that's what they have Simon like here. Which it's fucking insane. awesome. It's it's insane. It's the imagery. Uh, again, in terms of like contrasting things, how beautiful it looks versus how wild it is does something to me. The effects are really good here. I, all practical looks really nice. Yeah. He turns around and has some... Again, they just have every... T- apparently they have a pharmacy in this commune. They blow some drug powder into his face and he passes out. Oh, and it's so great because then he wakes up and it's just a lady being like, Hi, hello, hi. Um, You can't move or speak, okay? Yes. And then just goes walking away and it's like, All right, what am I supposed to, to say? Oh, nothing, I guess. I know some people and, that would pay top dollar for whatever that powder was. <laughs> he, Danny's on the stage covered in flowers this time. Like, she has, like, what do I describe this as? It's not like a dress or anything. It's like a cocoon of flowers, pretty much, that she's in. I was just going to say yeah. cocoon. Yeah. A crystal. And we learn nine lives must be dedicated. And this is where Pele does seem kind of evil to me. When the... Father Odd is talking up there. He's like, talks about the one girl who brought the car, uh, Simon and I don't remember her name, but the two London people, and then talks to Pelly for bringing us these ones. And Pelly has this smile and nod where that's where he actually seems like, oh, it was all my sinister master plan moment. Uh, yeah, for some reason, for me though, it's just, he's just doing what he was brought up to do. Like, he doesn't see it as evil, so it's not evil. You know what I mean? He's like, he's proud. He's like, oh yeah, I did it. Thank you guys. I'm I'm, I'm good. I'm a good part of this family. And the, so eight have been chosen, and the May Queen has to choose the ninth. And then they basically hunger games this up here, where they draw a name out of a bingo cage, and... <laughs> Someone has volunteered, and Danny has to choose between Christian or this person from her new community to be the ninth victim. Yeah, and B- she bingo's a, bingo's a weird twist I didn't expect to see in this movie. Oh yeah, just yeah. one of the ball hopper things and the ball rolling down like the yeah. spinny thing. I didn't expect <laughs> ancient lottery to come into play with runes, powerball numbers. <laughs> <laughs> we don't see what she chooses, but. 
It, yeah, it's Christian. Because I think if Christian would have survived, he would have tried to leave, and she's like, this will ruin my new life for me. Yeah, also, at this point, she's done. Like, I don't need you anymore. I have this whole family. Look at all this. Like, Pele's gonna rail me out now. In in my if head... If approved. In my head, none of that is even happening. She was She's given the option. She knows what she has to do, but there is no... I think much like everybody else in the family, there's no thought process of what's what's the repercussions of this, what's after. She was 100% doing what her heart wanted to do, and it's get rid of this person that hurt her and didn't help her when she was hurting. Yeah, and so all these bodies of all the previous eight are carted into the sacred temple, which is just filled with hay and placed around. They have like flowers and hay stuffed in their eye and mouth holes, and some of them have little jester hats on. <laughs> I think Mark has a jester hat on. It's like, that's perfect. Yeah, he's a clown. And then I'm very sad to report they kill the bear. I kind of like the bear, but they gut the bear and they put Christian inside. I get why they did it, but man, I would have loved to see one of them actually stuffing him into the bear. Well, and the whole time, like, Christian, his like, mind is there. He just can't move or speak. So what's going through his mind of like, what are they doing with the bear? All right, they're cutting it open. All right, they're picking me up. They're fucking stuffing me inside the bear. God damn it. Like <laughs> they're sewing me up. Oh, great. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that yeah, that has to be again with all the other anxiety-ridden things in this movie, not being able to control your body. It's another sometimes my anxiety will make me shake and like not being able to control that. That's just an extension of that for me is he's so paralyzed that he can't control it. So it's so much more anxiety on top of everything else. Oh, yeah, just losing control of yourself but being present there for it. That's a nightmare. Yeah, like waking up during surgery. Yeah. But he's put in the temple in his new bear costume, which his face comes out the mouth of the bear, if you guys haven't <laughs> seen that image. Yeah. It's it super cute like, for a minute. It looks like the, the, bear, the bear jacket from Workaholics. Yes, for <laughs> sure. <laughs> yes. And then... There's two volunteers from the village. They are given something in their mouth, and then they just sit there willingly, and they come in with torches, they light all the hay on fire, and they walk out. The villagers are screaming, and Danny is crying and trying to walk around in her weird flower cocoon, and you just see shots of Christian stuck there in this bear suit, burning to death, but he can't do anything. You're like, you don't even get, like, Facial changes or anything from him. It's wild. Well, it's, it's so funny, too, where it, like, it cuts to, like, it's, like, the two cult people who, like, volunteered or whatever. And it was, like, their turn. And they're, like, looking at each other. And then the one catches on fire. And he's just like, rah, rah, rah! <laughs> Like, I thought that the stuff that they gave him was going to, like, kill the pain. So they, they peacefully kind of go into the fire. No, they feel it. He starts screaming. <laughs> Needed a second dose. They didn't check their tolerance before this. You didn't wait long enough to start the fire. But then, as the temple collapses, Danny smiles and credits on Midsummer. It's like a great, like, music swell, kind of, to, like, she smiles for, like, the first time in the entire movie. And I want to mention the the ending scene versus the opening scene. How the ending is so bright and 
I would call it warm, if not in temperature, in color and things like that. And her smile is definitely warm. And the opening scene of the movie is a frigid, cold, snowy, desolate forest. So you compare the, the desolate forest to this this gorgeous flowers and filled with people. And it's just, it just it encapsulates the whole movie in this perfect pill that I will eat until the end of time. That's great. I guess my final thoughts are this movie makes me definitely want to do better in my relationship after I watch it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh yeah. It was definitely like, watch this movie and go get your significant other like flowers or like my wife loves Legos. I'm going to go buy her a Lego set, you know, like, yeah, exactly. Um, you gotta do something nice after watching this. Yeah. So Love I you, babe. Supposed to buy her a fish to eat. Finn yes. first. <laughs> uh, what about you guys? Anything final before we get into the end of episode stuff? I want to know at what point did Liz feed me pubic hair and weird tea? <laughs> to the fact that now I'm with her. <laughs> like I got some questions for. Her. Um, that final, like that final scene, that smile. If there. I have trouble getting anything tattooed on me that like is such some like related to a person because I would love to get that tattooed on me as that final smile. But maybe Florence Pugh does something in the future that is not great. Maybe Ari Aster does something in the future that's not great. I can't. Yeah. I can't do it. Yeah. I just can't. Do you it. almost you almost have to wait for all involved to die and then you're good. Yeah, yeah that's why. I, that's why I got Thanos tattooed on me. He only wanted to kill everybody. You know. Yes. Count of the Dead time, right? Let's get into the great count of the dead. Ah, ah, ah. All right, that's wrong with Count of the Dead's where we tally up all the deaths in the movie. They gave us some really good number hints. Where do you guys think we got with Midsommar? Um, Brand goes first. Okay, I'll go first. So I know we had nine at the end. I know that. Yes. And then we got the two on the cliff. So that's 11. I'm good at math. And then all the friends... I'm going to say, I'm going to say 15. I'm going to say 16. I think I missed Brandon got it. We got 15. Damn it. Damn it. That's Greg. Greg's count of the dead. Ah, ah, ah. Now we're getting into my ratings from Dimension Z. So basically, I'll take something from the movie and I'll rate the movie 1 through 10, 1 being the worst and 10 being the best. I'll come up with that thing right now. Okay, so this, it's all about the Midsummer Festival, where it's like they're celebrating like the summer, basically, and like the planting crops and stuff like that. So I'm going to do what holiday or what time of year are they celebrating? What else could this movie have been? Okay. So a number one version of a holiday you would pick, the worst holiday you would pick is Christmas, because fuck that holiday, it's bullshit. Again, most people like Christmas, Brett, but I understand. <laughs> Stupid. Um, a number ten holiday, the best holiday, what do you think it is, Greg? Uh, Arbor Day. Yes, Arbor Day. Uh, Halloween, of course. I could see this being a cool All Hallows Eve, like Samhain like awesome, like old school kind of thing. I don't know how you didn't rate it by either pubes or hair pies. I mentioned it enough in this episode. If I did anymore, <laughs> Greg would yell at me. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> um, 
I, I, this is another one of those movies where you have to be in a certain mood to watch it. It is two and a half hours long. There's a lot of build up, a lot of whatever. It is very well written. And luckily, when I watched this movie, I was in the exact right mood for it. So I'm giving it a 10 out of 10 holidays. This is a Halloween of movies. Nice. Uh, Brandon's guest, what do you like to go next? Um, yeah, it's I, I love this thing so much. I think this thing is almost entwined in my personality at this point for the for the better, for the worse. So I, it's, so it's a, a 10 nine. for me. It's a 10 for me. Also, I, I love this thing so much. It's it, it's it's beautiful. Now, Brand, it's going to be extremely interesting to see if we have a Rocky Horror repeat right now. Greg. Uh, you don't get a repeat. Yeah, of course it's 10. Yeah. Oh, okay. I, I was, I was waiting this. for Greg to be like, mm, nine and a half. No, it gets a 10 for me. As far as, look, there's no such thing as a perfect movie. As far as the way we do it, this is a perfect movie. And look, it joins the, by the way, I never get to give this speech out on my list yeah. ready. It joins the Throbbing Horror Hall of Fame, which is any movie that gets a perfect score from both of us. It gets the, what do we call it? The Golden Hall of Fame, where Guest also rates it a 10. Which includes movies like Halloween, Evil Dead. <laughs> I don't know the list. I know Halloween was the first oh, one. I thought you I were going to pull it. I was Dracula's so excited. One of them. Uh, Halloween, Dracula, Evil Dead 2, Army of Darkness, Trick or Treat, Hereditary, Ghostbusters. I don't know. There's a lot. <laughs> oh, so Ari Aster, two for two on those, right? Yeah, he, he's 2-0 and o right now. Wow. Man, I really hope Bo's Afraid's good. <laughs> And by the way, I remember Hereditary at the time we recorded it was our longest episode ever. So I should have expected this one to run over. Oh, yeah. When the movies are that long, it's hard. It's hard to not make the episodes that long. When we're doing an Ari Aster movie with a Brandon, it's going to be an hour and a half episode. (laughs) Wow. I didn't even make this connection yet. (laughs) Unless you guys have anything else. No, uh, Brandon, you want to plug the show one more time? Yeah, uh, maybe I'll do a better job than at the beginning when I was rambling. Uh, Are You Listening is a music podcast derived from telling your friend you should listen to this or your friend telling you you should listen to this and neither of you doing that. So we hold each other accountable by giving each other something to listen to and then we come back and talk about it. It's it's supposed to be all in good fun and we try to stay positive. My favorite is how you guys go down the charts every week. I'm not going to lie. And I never realized how big Madonna actually was until you guys have gone down what was charting at the time of every album's release. And she is always on there. Yeah, I guess I could have said the the structure more. Like we do, like in addition to the record, we go over what was big in music, what the scene was like, what's on the charts, other albums that came out. And then we dive into the record itself. But yeah, there's a, there's a few of those. Madonna's giant. Mariah Carey's giant. Uh, there's some recent episodes where I didn't know Sean Paul was on the charts as much as he was. It's crazy. All right. Well, definitely check it out. I listen. It helps my Wednesdays. Appreciate it. Appreciate you. And we hope that Midsummer has left your brain throbbing with horror. Do you like throbbing with horror? Their early shows were a little too avant-garde for me, but I hear if you follow them on the social media, they do terrific work. You should probably rate them five stars wherever you're listening to them. It makes our show a cut above the rest. Make sure you tune in next week. Wouldn't want to miss another episode, right? (laughs) Hey, Paul!